Well, I'm excited. I'm just going to introduce myself. I'm preaching this morning. Yay yay for me. Uh, Yeah, I'm excited to be preaching this morning. And I think it's fantastic that everybody who's made it today on the long weekend, the holiday, where you could have had other excuses, you've made the commitment to be in the house of God on a holiday weekend, I think is great. And so I'm hoping and praying that you're encouraged this morning and challenged uh, through this, this series we're doing at the moment on Grow. And I believe there's a word for this morning uh, for the people that are here. So I hope it blesses you. And um, so what, what we've been talking about, if you have, have missed church or, you, or you're new here today, is the series on Grow. And we've been going over about four weeks now. And firstly, we started off with uh, the introduction where Brandon was talking about how fruity are you. Remember that one where he had the plants and had things going on and talking about fruit and, and the fruit of the spirit and, and, and to get the right fruit you've got to have the right things going in and then we talked about uh, growing by the gospel and, and Chris talked through the, the seasons that we had and talking about just because you're in winter doesn't mean you're not growing because as Carmen mentioned before seasons happen and seasons need to happen just because a plant looks like, a tree looks like it doesn't have any leaves doesn't mean it's a sign of death and that it's, it just needs time to rest and rejuvenate for the next season. And then Brandon last week so eloquently talked us through trials, growing through trials. And, and trials are a time where God stretches us, and he used that analogy at the gym, where if you, you need to get to a certain weight. You, if God wants you to do... 80 kilos, if you're only doing 40, but you, you just, you, well, you won't even do the 40, then you've got to do the 40 to get to the 45, to the 50, the 55, you've got to keep stretching and growing through, through trials and, and opportunities before you get to the, the 80 or, or what God has called for you. So today, before I get on to today's topic, I just want to introduce, so we're talking through Galatians this year. We're up to chapter 3, verse 6. We're in the month of October, we've just had daylight saving, and we're, we're not even halfway through the, the halfway chapter. It's exciting because there's so much to talk about in the Bible when you dig in, in depth. So Galatians 3.6, so also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Cool, I'm just going to pray this morning before we go any further. Thank you, Jesus, for your, for your presence this morning. Thank you for the community we have in C3 Norwood. Thank you for your word this morning. Pray it goes forth with hearts ready to receive it and your spirit anoints this word. In Jesus' name, amen. So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So also Abraham. Who is this Abraham fellow? Or as we'd say in New Zealand, who's this Abraham fella? What's he he got going on? So who is Abraham? Well, if if you haven't grown up in church or you you don't know about this Abraham guy, he's uh, earlier on in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, he started off under the name Abram. Just five letters. Yes, my math is all right. Five letters rather than uh, seven. And that brings us to the title of today's message, which is Grow, Get a New Name. You might say, well, I've already got a name. That's good. I've got a name too. I know we've got uh, some international students and people that have 
um, moved here from other uh, languages that they speak and, and when they come to Australia you, you might have encountered a few as well through work and in church often when uh, is the case when people move to another country that speaks a different language that they might choose a name from that country just to uh, be able to relate and, and be, to the people of the new country they're going to so they have an opportunity to choose a new name what I'm talking about is step beyond that and, and we'll explore and I'm just sort of teasing it out uh, this morning. But get get a new name. So we're just going to walk through a little bit of Abraham's story in Genesis. Uh, so I've got a, got a few few verses. We're just going to walk through the story, just going to set it up because we're going to get to an exciting point and hopefully we're going to see some uh, transformation this morning and, and people touched. Genesis 12.1. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. That's his nephew. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. So this is called, this is the call of Abraham when he was 75 years old. Can you imagine getting a new life purpose and a a call from God at the age of 75? Um, What am I? Um, 40% of the way there? If my math is, yeah, rough. I think that might be correct. About there, uh, and, and just getting a call from God at the age of 31, or in your 20s, in your teens, like that—that's that, enough. But at the age of 75, you've you've done a good life. You get to, you think you think you've uh, there might have been kids, or you've inherit, you've set up a, a legacy of some sort. You've been in the community for 75 years, and then God says, "This is what I want you to do." So that's just to set up. At the age of 75, Abraham's story started with significance at this point. Now, between chapters 12 and 15, Abraham goes to Egypt because there's a famine in his land. Then he separates from his nephew because they were both so successful and so had grown in possession so much that there were clashes between their people and they just physically couldn't be in the same spot because they had too much. They had, they, they had too many sheep, too many people, too, too many crops, too many tents. They just couldn't be in the same spot, which is uh, an interesting problem to have because they were both so blessed. And then Lot is taken captive during a war, during a battle. Abram has to go rescue him and take all his possessions back. So the reason for that is in Genesis 15, verse 1, it says, After this, so after all that had happened, between when he had been called at age of 75, all this stuff had happened, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? That's his servant. And Abram said, You have given me no children so a servant in my household will be my heir. See, this is a problem. Because in Genesis 12, God has said, you will be, I'll make your name great, 
I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. Now in this time, thousands of years ago, to be made into a great nation isn't just like playing a game of risk, a board game, and, uh, or maybe it's a computer game. You know, you have Age of Empires or Wars or something. I don't play those games, so I'm just kind of mashing some names together. But you have country against country, and you're going to be a great nation. You, you roll the dice or you click the mouse over there. To be a great nation, you've got to have descendants. You've got to have a legacy. You've got to have children that have children that, that grow, and, and, and there's battles and wars and things goes on. So here Abram is saying, okay, so you said I'm going to be a great nation, but I don't have anyone to carry on my legacy. So at the age of 75, God had said to him, you're going to be a great nation, but Abraham was childless at this point. That's a bit of a problem. So here he's saying, you have given, in verse 3, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. See, there's some lessons from Abram's life, and we'll, we'll come to in Galatians, it talks about another place of the Bible. Abraham is the father of faith. He's, he's mentioned in Hebrews as one of the heroes of faith, and, and we'll dig into that a little bit more. But here he doesn't have any children, and I just want to highlight that there are lessons that we can learn from Abraham's life. Uh, that apply to us today because even though he was a father of faith, he was far from perfect and he, he did sort of stumble and, and make mistakes as he went through. The, the first issue from his life is he had a lack of faith at this point. So God spoke to him back in chapter 12, said you're going to be made into a great nation. I will make your name great. You will be famous. You'll be known throughout the whole earth. And here he's saying, well, I don't have any children. So he's kind of forgotten this thing. His, his faith hasn't matched back to the promise that God has spoken to him. What, what happened to that? What's happened in that time? What Abram's problem at this point is he's looking at his current circumstances. His current circumstances stand up because all he can see in front of him is, I don't have children. So as the, the culture of the time, if you didn't have children, then your senior servant in the household would be left with everything and you passed on. So he's saying, I don't have children. Got a servant, I guess. Like, could leave it to him. Maybe, maybe that that will happen. So he's seeing the very thing that's in front of us, in front of him, and what that represents for us is how many times has God spoken to us or given us a vision of something for a future or given us a word or a promise, and we just look at the current circumstance, the the thing that's in front of us, the thing that's around us, and say, well, maybe maybe that's the answer. Maybe the answer will come through that rather than looking forward to, to what God has promised for us. In verse 4, Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. So even as Abraham's, or Abram at the time is doubting, is wavering, not sure about this promise, God still encourages him and says, Oh no, my plan is perfect, it is great for you. It's not just going to go with the current circumstance and what, what's already around you. It's, he's reassuring him. It, and it speaks of God's patience and kindness. Here's the father of faith. Here's the, where, where the Jewish nation started from. The, the, where Jesus was promised through his lineage. The, the saviour of the whole human race to come through his lineage. And he's stumbling and God says, this man won't be your heir. You will have a son. 
So he's patient, kind, reminds him of the promise, no matter what doubt he is going through. And that can be an encouragement for us as well. God is patient and kind, no matter how much we doubt. We come back to him. He'll encourage us, remind us of the promise, and we can move forward. Verse 5, he took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. See, if you look up here, we've got a few stars. There's one, two, three, four, five, ten per row. So there's 40. So he's saying, look up at the stars. And as we've got modern telescopes and computer programs that calculate there's an uncountable number of stars, but they're estimating the billions, billions. But I don't think any one person physically has sat there and counted them. They've just used computer programs to do it. But he's saying, look up at the stars and say, if you... The number of stars in the sky, that's going to be the number of your descendants. This is before he has a child. So God encourages him and then gives him the promise again. And then verse 6, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Other translations might say, as if it were righteousness. So his faith or his belief Because he believed in the promise, God says, I will make you righteous. It wasn't because of anything Abraham could do, because God's law hadn't come at that point. He just said, okay, you believe, I will make you righteous because I can do that. And this is where the the reference, this is the quote that comes about in Galatians 3. Then we move on to Genesis 16, verse 1. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but... But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Now this isn't entirely unusual for the culture of the time. We might think that's a bit strange at the moment. If you can imagine Carmen saying, Well, we can't have children. Um, I have somebody that uh, works for me. Go, go start a family for us with that person and that, that child will be in our house. That's kind of a bit weird, isn't it? In our culture, we... But this... There, there were concubines and all sorts of things that we don't understand at this time, back in this culture. So he said, she says, Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. The next verse, or the next part of the verse says, Abram agreed. See, let me think about that. Yes. (laughs) Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. See, he didn't push back. He didn't say, God's given us a promise. God said that we will have our own child. We will have someone that's a legitimate heir to our nation that is coming from us. He said, okay. She's attractive. let's Let's just do it your way. Let's... Sure, maybe this is a strategy. So the second lesson we can learn from Abram's life is he tried to make the promise happen his way, or Sarai's way, through human wisdom. And, and that, that's a challenge for us today because we're in an age where everything comes down to intelligence, or how much you know, or who you know, or how much you can create the situation to happen, or how hard you can work to make an outcome a reality. Not trusting in God and having faith and believing that God can do the miraculous. We, we go and we try and make it happen in our own strength. And so 
what, what we have here is Abram and Sarai settling for second best. Settling for the second best option. So at first they've just looked at the current circumstances. Eliezer, their servant, maybe it'll just happen through what we have at the moment. Then they go, okay, well, maybe it's in the future, but we'll just kind of go with the easier path. The, the, we'll, we'll create a legacy, but we'll just go through this opportunity that's here that's not actually the reality or the, the opportunity that God has for us. Now, I, I think I've shared this before, uh, an example or something that happened in my life before I moved to Australia to, to study and ultimately where I met Carmen and then moved back to Adelaide. So all of these things, that just before all of that kind of clicked into place and over a course of years uh, happened, I had an opportunity that came up while I was studying back in New Zealand, playing a bit of bass, to being a leader in our youth group and our church back in Christchurch. This band came through and... They had a bass player, but their bass player was kind of leaving the band, and it was a, a worship missions band that would go around with YWAM, if you know Youth With a Mission, uh, and they were looking for a new bass player, and they were based in our church for a few months because they had a family connection, and I auditioned with them a couple of times, they were really happy, they thought things were looking good, and I thought it was looking cool, I was checking out buying a nice new bass, and uh, kind of making tentative plans, and then they, they met, and I, I, I sort of knew in my spirit that it looked great, they were a missions-focused band, but like, everything on the outside was, was looking good, and it was going to be a great opportunity to travel and meet people and do, do missions work. Uh, but it was this kind of this small part that I never really said to anybody that just like, it's cool, it looks really great, and I'd do it if they said yes but just didn't quite sit right and then they met and they they prayed about it as a band and said no we don't believe that uh, this is the opportunity for you but there's something else that is coming that's the right thing for you and two months later I was in Australia uh, studying at college and yeah things happened quite quickly from that point at the time it was a huge disappointment because things were building up and looking really positive, and this was the thing I was going to be doing in the future, the thing I was going to be doing for the next one, two, three years, and who knows what path can happen after that point. Something in my spirit was just, and when they said I was, I was disappointed. Same time, what? I think they just sort of saved me from something, maybe going down the wrong path and doing the thing that wasn't entirely for me. So a couple of months later, you made the decision to. Moved to Australia. Two years after that, met Carmen, and then a few years later, we moved to Adelaide. And it's just amazing how things happen. And that would have been the the second best option, the thing that just didn't quite sit right. But then by just following and and I was fortunate to have wise people that sought God around me and spoken to my life, and uh, I had to accept their direction and correction in a way. I mean. Even if they, even if I didn't, I wouldn't have got very far because they wouldn't have booked me on the plane. But but I had to accept that and see what God had for me through that situation and say, okay, that's not it. What what's the opportunity that God has in front of me? So here, Abraham, see, he's he's partnered with Sarai, who's who's barren at that that uh, an old age. She she wasn't able to have children, 
or she was past the age of childbirth, as it says in uh, later verses. I'll leave your um, scientific minds to work that out. See, it's the world's way of doing things. I will make it happen. I have studied this, so I know the answer for that. Or I have read about this. Or uh, I can work it out. Or I have Google in my pocket. So we try and work out a way. We try and, oh, there's a way we can do this situation. What, what's in front of me? I'm going to make this thing happen. But it comes back to, have we asked God how we can work out this situation? He has given us a promise. He has said something about our future. And it doesn't seem to be happening. The, the timing doesn't seem to be right. Do we try and work it out ourselves? Do we try and make it happen in our own strength? Or do we take it back to God and say, what next? What would you like me to do? Seek wise counsel and say, this is the promise and this is the situation. Maybe we don't know how because maybe we aren't ready for the truth of how that situation can come about. See, Abram was 75 when he said, you're going to have a child. We'll find out later how old he was when actually in a moment. But maybe he just wasn't quite ready to understand how much of a faith trip that would be to have a child past the age of childbirth. So his heart had to be ready. He had to be in that place ready to receive that miracle. Genesis 17 verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, 24 years after the promise. Who's got the patience for a 24-year promise? I struggle when we put uh, Jemima's milk in the fridge and it takes a minute. Sorry, in the microwave, not the fridge, in the microwave. 24 years later, after the promise, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. See, it's possible that in that 24 years, Abram wasn't being blameless. He was wavering, he was doing things in his own strength, he was not sure of this promise. Here God is saying, Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Just by his word, he speaks that he is blameless and righteous. So he's bringing him back into line. He's saying, doesn't matter what's happened in the last 24 years. Be blameless from this point forth. And the promise still stands. Because I call you blameless, so you are. Verse 2, then I'll make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. What numbers? Abram doesn't have numbers. He, he does have a child with, with his slave, uh, Ishmael, but he doesn't have an heir to, between him and his wife. He, sort of, he did have a child on the side, and that, that's a whole story. <laughs> child on the side. It's a whole story, and there's even implications from that very decision in today's society. Uh, I won't get too political about that right now, but... Um, you can ask me if you're curious what I'm referring to afterwards. I will greatly increase your numbers. Have you ever tried to multiply zero by any number? <laughs> kind of, the answer's always zero, isn't it? It's that magic number that just doesn't equate to anything. Abram fell face down, verse 3. And God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You'll be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. 24 years after the promise, before any child has happened, 
says, you will be the father of many nations. Here the promise comes again to Abraham. Well, now to, it's about to be Abraham. What's interesting is Abram, his name means noble or high father, in kind of a singular context, or just in a, a family context. Noble father or high father. Abraham is not just by adding a, a, another letter to the name and it's kind of pretty much the same thing. It means father of a multitude. So he goes from a noble father to fa- father of a multitude or father of many. Some interesting words in uh, these couple of verses is the language changes from you will be the father of many nations to your name will be Abraham for I have made you the father of many nations. In the space of two sentences he goes from you will be the father of many nations to you, I have made you the father of many nations from future tense to past tense. So in that very name change from Abram to Abraham Abraham's destiny had changed just like that. And it was marked in history as happening because God had said it was going to happen. He had changed from the language from being in the future to saying, I've, made it, I've said it so, so it's going to be so right now. I will make you very fruitful. We know all about the fruit from the first week of the series. Brendan took us through a few weeks ago. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. And then just going on to verse 15. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai, for her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Interestingly, this is the first time that God has specified by name that the promise will be fulfilled through Sarai or Sarah. Sarai as a name means princess. Sarah means mother of nations. So Sarai goes from being sort of royalty, sort of nation, you know, in that kind of royal, royal family in the nation to being the mother of nations. So essentially, almost from being a princess to a queen, from being responsible for mother of nations. Now, so God gives them both new names. And that brings us back to the title of today's message, get a new name. Now that sounds a bit assertive and a bit aggressive, you might think. So why, why was it important that God gave them both new names? And what is significant about a new name in this context and in any context? So this wasn't just one letter that got added to their name and, and just the meaning being about the same as it said before. Some scholars will find it more than a coincidence that the letter H was added to both their names. So Sarai, the I was removed and the H was placed on the end. Abram had the H inserted towards the end with another A, Abraham. In a, this was in a day when subtle spelling and letter plays and words were common and it's significant that the letter H was added to both those names. The letter H, or hey, in the original language, is often used as symbolising God's grace and goodness as it came from the name Jehovah, which is the, uh, the Jewish name for the God. I'm just hearing Toby talking back to me. Uh, some believe it would have been considered an honour to have a letter from the holy name added to their own. So here we have God inserting a 
part of his very own name into the destiny and future of Sarai and Abram. It's not a coincidence that this letter was added to both names because God has renamed them both and included his presence in their names and destiny. The letter H has also been known to represent God's, God's spirit and his presence. So what we have here is God is not just changing a name, he's pointing out a new destiny and a new future. So when they get a new name, they have a new purpose and a new direction for their life. And he does it at a point of encounter. Other instances in the Bible of God changing people's names. Jacob wrestled with God. He changed his name to Israel. And he, he was a descendant of Abraham. And that's where the nation of Israel got their name from, was this person who encountered God. His name was changed from supplanter to having power with God. From a negative name or kind of a mixed connotation name to having power with God. Simon, one of the first disciples, was a fisherman. His name was changed to Peter. On this rock I will build my church. So he went from a fisherman to an apostle at the encounter with Jesus. And his name was changed. Saul, who wrote the book of Galatians that we're studying, and we talked about earlier this year, his encounter on the road to Damascus. He had an encounter with Jesus. He was the chief persecutor, the killer of Christians. He was going making martyrs of people, uh, crucifying them, stoning them, doing all sorts of things. He had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. From that point, his name was changed to Paul. So he went from a persecutor to a preacher. So what we have when God changes a name is a status change. You might call it a spiritual promotion of sorts. So when he changes a name, he does it, and he also does it before as a reality in the physical. So Simon, Peter, the disciple, his name was changed, but he still wavered. He still made a lot of mistakes. He was the assertive, aggressive one in the group, and he still made a lot of mistakes, but Jesus changed his name before he had fulfilled his purpose and destiny, not after Saul, his name was changed at the point of encounter when he had almost every legal right to be crucified or killed himself for all the murders he had committed. But at the point of encounter, Jesus had grace on him and changed his name to Paul. And then it wasn't until years later that he started preaching and teaching uh, and, and planning churches out. See, he, he was like the chief Jew among all Jews. He, he could teach all of their, their books, but he spent time away. He taught a little bit, but spent a bulk of years away getting, getting right before his purpose was even fulfilled and before he came back to Jerusalem. So God, when God changes the name, he's pointing out a new destiny. The spiritual promotion comes before the physical promotion. So what happens, there's a spiritual realm, a spiritual world, what happens in the spiritual, when God speaks, it speaks a word to us, an encouragement, a promise. It happens in the spiritual before we see it in the physical as a reality. Going back to Brendan's message a few weeks ago, the fruit comes after the promise. So we, we get the promise, we might have a promise of eternal life, a promise of uh, God has, through faith, will provide healing, provide finances, we get the promise, but we don't necessarily see the, the fruit of that straight away or the answer immediately. But
but God's working behind the scenes because what's happened in the spiritual will happen in the physical but it doesn't ha- always happen at the same time. But be encouraged that it is still happening. That's the point of this, to say that what God has promised to you, whether it be yesterday, last year, 10 years ago, 24 years ago, will still happen because God has promised it and it will happen. So God calls them a father of a multitude and the mother of nations before they even had one child between them. And they were past the age, so in every physical possibility, this was not going to happen. How much does he also speak to us about our lives before we see the reality in our physical world? No matter what names people have called you in the past, what about the names God calls you? It doesn't matter what's happened in the spirit. It doesn't matter what's happened in your past. He's spoken it and we've just got to live it out. So he's spoken it in the past. It's declared in the Bible. It's about to slap my Bible, but it's a tablet. And I would have broken the screen. <laughs> I used to have a big fat Bible that you could slap around and be, make a great impact. But no matter, there are names that God speaks to us. So it doesn't matter what others have spoken over us. God has a new name for us. No matter what names the devil has tried to get inside your head in the years gone by or even this morning, God has a new name for you and a new name for us. And the, the names that we call ourselves, God has a new name for us. That's why it's important to speak his word into situations and to stand in faith when all the signals will say otherwise, that this will come to pass. The Bible says that he calls those things that aren't as if they are. That's why when we are sick, we pray for healing. We don't always see the healing straight away, but we pray for the healing. We call things that aren't as if they are. That is faith and action. And praying for that healing. Praying for that answer before we see it physically. Otherwise we could just sit there and still be sick and still be suffering. If we pray, we might be healed. If we don't pray, we probably won't be healed. So your chances are better if you are praying. That's why when we have friends and family that are away from God, we call them back. We call them back. We call things that aren't as if they are. How many times have people here been praying for family or friends that haven't been in relationship with Jesus and seen them come into a relationship with Jesus. We wouldn't do it if we didn't believe in the reality that we, what we pray for in the spiritual can happen in the physical. That's why when we don't think we have enough provision, we confess in faith and believe that we do. Carmen was talking about seasons where there's barely enough and other seasons of abundance. That's why we, we pray in faith that, yes, my God is a provider. I should have abundantly more than, than everything. And through, through his word and believing and confessing in faith, we will have enough. Sometimes the bank account doesn't look like it, but I could give you countless stories of where provision has come through at the last minute. Just one that comes off the top of my head. When we were living in Sydney, we had to come over to Adelaide for a, for a funeral. We tried booking flights for a particular time and there were no seats left through our airpoints. And then somebody at the last minute said, yeah, here's some tickets. And they, they emailed us the tickets and they had booked the flight for us. We turned up at the airport and discovered there were business class flights. There were no other flights on the plane, but this person knew the situation and without even sort of us asking or saying anything, God provided abundantly more than what we need. We just needed tickets. We got business class tickets to come back for a funeral. And that comfort in time 
all helped. That was more than enough for the situation. In Genesis 18, then one of them, the, the three, three angels, uh, three lords as they're called in different languages, three men of God uh, met with Abraham outside his tent. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which is behind them. Abraham and Sarah were already very old and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So at this this point, Abraham was 99 years old. Still at this point. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure of having a child? Verse 13, Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. I think Sarah is 10 years younger than uh, Abraham. So at this point, she's 89, he's 99. That's, that's old to have kids. And Sarah sort of laughs and laughs to herself and thought, this can't happen. Even after all this time, 24 years later, there's men of God standing outside our tent, recommitting the promise that God had spoken, and she still laughs it off. She still said, that's impossible, it's not going to happen. We're both too old, the mechanics just aren't going to work. Sarah looked at the physical. Even though her name had changed, her situation hadn't. And she looked more at a situation than the fact God had given her a new name that had his presence and his destiny in it. See, I want to reassure you, it is okay to struggle to believe. I've done it. I've wavered. We've all wavered. We all have moments and when those seasons happen, it is easy to... To, to waver and not hold on to the promise that God has given us. You're only human. We all do it. I'm human. I've done it many times. And s- some of those consequences can take years, like not trusting in faith, but then uh, for provision and then putting things on a credit card that you then have to pay the debt off. I've been in that situation. I'm sure others have been too. That's just one example that I can, uh, you might be able to relate to. But even in spite of this doubt, even in spite of the name change and then still the doubt of the promise, God says, is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. I want you to know this morning that no matter what the promise that God has spoken to you, there is an appointed time. God has an appointed time for you too. We then move on to Genesis 21. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. God promised an appointed time to Sarah, and at the very time, one year later, the appointed time was fulfilled. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him, Abraham was a hundred years old. What? Know anyone else? I know with modern science we've got uh, people having babies older and older, but I don't think anyone's come close to a hundred. And uh, it'd be scary if they did. 
Uh, I shouldn't say any more about that. Uh, so Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. That's the name uh, Isaac means laughter. And she added, who would have said Abraham that's... Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Question for us this morning is what can we give birth to in spite of our circumstances? So here we have Sarah giving birth to a child in the the physical. Now I'm not capable of giving birth to a child, but in the spiritual, there's a spiritual principle behind this that what can we give birth to or what can come out of a situation Are we looking at the circumstances or are we looking at the promise? What is within us that God has planted a seed or a promise or a future that we are not holding on to? What name has God given you in your circumstances? And what might he even be challenging you about now? Jordan, just ask you to come please. What promise has God given you in the past? What word has he spoken to you? See, I don't have the answers for every situation, but I'm trusting that even right now that the Holy Spirit is quickening situations to people, to families, to individuals about a promise that you have read or has been spoken, a prophecy, a word, word of knowledge, a situation. Maybe it's something you've been praying for, believing in faith. Now, if we loop this back to Galatians 3, verses 6 to 8. So also Abraham, after all of this had happened, in the middle of that that story we've talked about, this is where the quote comes from. He believed God, it was credited to him as righteousness. Even in spite of all his wavering and trying to do it in his own strength and looking at his own circumstances and looking at the thing that was right next to him, rather than seeking the promise that God had. In spite of all of this, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. The New Living Translation says God counted him as righteous because of his faith. It's all it takes, just faith. Believing the promise and stepping out in faith. Understand then, verse 7, that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Do you have faith? I do. If you believe in Jesus, you have faith, is what it's referring to. So you and I, we are children of Abraham because of this faith. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. There's a whole lot in this, but he's basically saying, you're going to start a nation, the Israelite nation. But this nation, through this nation, Jesus will come and bless all nations in the world, not just this one nation. So it all starts with you. Even before the the Israelite nation had been formed, he said every nation on earth will be blessed through you because he's talking about Jesus coming in the future. So verse 9, So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. The man of faith that wavered for 24 years, 25 years, didn't believe the promise, looked at his current circumstances. See, even in spite of our wavering, 
God still calls us a man or a woman of faith. My question to you is, do you rely on faith? Do we rely on faith? Do I rely on faith in every situation? I'm human and I'd like to say yes. But as I've already given you a couple of examples, it hasn't always happened. But even in spite of that, through God's grace, we can still come back and God can give us a new name. Do we rely on something else? Or if we rely on faith, it says here, we will be blessed. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now one of the first acts of faith you can do is to give your life to Jesus. To accept that he died for your sins and that you can access eternal life. When, when you do this, you get a new name. He calls you friend. He calls you blameless. He calls you disciple. He calls you a follower. In our community and our language, we also use the word Christian. Now that doesn't replace your name, but it's getting the presence of God into your life, into your situation. You still keep your name. We're not going to, you don't come in here one thing and walk out. Of, I, was, I was actually once called Steve until I started going to church. No, it doesn't work like that. As we're talking about in the spiritual, God gives you a new name. He says, no matter what people have said to you in the past, no matter what lies people have said about you, to you, what the devil has spoken over your life, what you have believed about yourself, I call you friend. I call you disciple, a follower. Now, just ask everybody across this room to close their eyes, please. Just in this moment, I want to give the opportunity if someone has not had that opportunity to come into a relationship with Jesus to say, in spite of everything, I want that new name. I want to be a friend of Jesus. I want Jesus to be my Lord. Maybe you've never done that before. Maybe you have done that before and you need to redo it. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and I'll say I've seen it and ask you to put it down. And I'd like to pray with you if there are people here this morning in that situation. Maybe it's the first time in church. Maybe it's the hundredth time in church. Maybe you've made the decision before, walked away, and in doubt have walked away from that promise. You'd be coming back. I need a new name. Maybe you need Jesus to give you the name of friend again. He never stopped calling you friend, but maybe you need to start hearing it this morning. So if there's anybody here this morning that would like to give their life or rededicate their life to Jesus, I'll just ask you to stick up your hand this morning so I can see that. If there's anybody this morning, take this opportunity. We do it in every service. You don't want to let one service, one week go by without giving people that opportunity to commit their life to Jesus. If there is anybody, I'll just ask you to raise your hand this morning. Just while you've got your eyes closed, what is your name? What's the name God has given to you, spoken over you? In spite of what people have said about your past, or to you in the past. No matter what names the devil has tried to call you, he's tried to call you insignificant. He's tried to say, you're not worthy, you're rubbish, no one loves you. 
No one cares about you. These are all lies of the devil. No matter what you've looked in the mirror and said about yourself. What's the name that God has spoken to you? This morning we have an opportunity to remind ourselves of that name or get a new name. To get the spirit of God in your name, in your life. Just like Sarai and Abram had H inserted into their name that represented the spirit or the presence of God. A new destiny. Change their name from noble father to father of multitude. From princess to mother of nations. Spoke a new destiny over their life. Just ask everybody to stand this morning, please. And just to look away to Jesus. Keep your eyes closed if you want. Just a moment of a divine moment with his presence this morning. It's an opportunity to refresh and get the Spirit of God in your name and in your life. The book of Ephesians, it talks about being marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit. When you're marked with the seal, it's talking about seal of royalty. People know that you come from, if you had that, that seal on a letter in ancient times, you'd know it was marked with that seal and was delivered and sent by that authority. So you and I can be marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit and have that authority of heaven. I've got a few suggestions on names you can call yourselves and if you, you can look at the screen or you can look at the way to Jesus, I'm going to read through these. But here's, these were shared amongst our Connect group this week. There might be one that will stand out. It's going to be a lot of words. I'm going to post this on the Facebook page this afternoon. So you can just, I'm going to read them out if you just want to look away to Jesus and something might stick out or you can read through them with me. This is who the Word of God says I am. This is the, these are the new names that you can get for yourself this week. The name to confess over yourself. No matter what has been said over your past, you can confess I am a child of God. I am redeemed from the hand of the enemy. I am forgiven, saved by grace, justified, sanctified, a new creature, partaker of His divine nature, redeemed from the curse of the Lord, delivered from the powers of darkness, led by the Spirit of God, a Son of God, kept in safety, getting all my needs met by Jesus, casting all my cares upon Jesus, strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, doing all things through Christ who strengthens me, an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus, heir to the blessings of Abraham, observing and doing the Lord's commandments, blessed coming and going, an inheritor of eternal life, blessed with all spiritual blessings, healed by His stripes, exercising my authority over the enemy, above only and not beneath, more than a conqueror, establishing, God, establishing God's word here on earth and overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony, daily overcoming the devil. Maybe that's for somebody this morning. Daily overcoming the devil, not moved by what I see, walking by faith and not by sight, casting down vain imaginations, bringing every thought into captivity. Bringing every thought into captivity. That's a hard one these days. But maybe that's a new word, a new name you can speak over your life. I, Mason, am speaking and bringing every word into captivity. Every, every thought into captivity. Being transformed by a renewed mind. A labourer together with God. The righteousness of God in Christ. An imitator of Jesus and the light of the world. What does God say 
about your name? What name is he speaking over you right now?